afternoon and welcome to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A lot of red on the screen today. Unless you're into oats and, and rice, it was pretty much a negative type of trade action on the day. We're going to take a look at some factors that are weighing into this, including the Fed policy decision. Uh, that just coming out here this afternoon. We'll talk about where Brazil's crop size is. Three nice days in beef. And we'll also talk about some economic announcements coming out of Argentina. What does that all mean? Lots to look at today as Arlen Suderman joins us. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. So let's start out with the Fed policy decision because they did hold a news conference at 1 o'clock. Yeah, the Fed basically did as expected and left interest rates unchanged, um, maintaining shrinking the balance sheet at $1.14 trillion. All that was expected. What everyone was paying attention to was, though, any changes in the statement. Now, um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell's press conference is going on as you and I are talking, so I'm not able to listen in on that. But reading some of the headlines and also taking a look at their statement, they're basically saying, we think we're probably done with rate hikes, but we're leaving the door open for more. Wall Street translates that as they're done. So then it comes down to what about rate cuts? Well, the Fed doesn't really say a lot about rate cuts, but their famous dot plot graphic where they ask all the members to put down where they expect interest rates to be at the end of this year, at the end of next year, at the end of the year after that in the long term, that gives us some idea of what individual Fed members are thinking. And that shows three rate cuts of about 75 basis points in total next year and the same thing the year after as well. It's interesting to note that they show those rate cuts on the dot plot graphic even though they're not showing it on the statement and even though they say that they don't expect us to get down to the 2% mandated inflation rate until 2026. I do think as an economist, it's interesting. They think they can do this with an unemployment rate that has a four on the front of it instead of a five. Um, Not sure that that's going to happen, Um, but we'll see. Maybe they can walk this very fine line, but for this to happen, everything has to go perfect for them. Regardless, what we saw was Treasury yields uh, fell sharply um, on the release of the statement. Uh, and that precipitated a drop in the dollar as well. So as we look at the 10-year Treasury yield, they're trading at their lowest levels, as we talked, that they've traded since early August. Um, and so we'll see if we see any follow-through on that tomorrow. Uh, when we look at two-year Treasury yields, they're trading their lowest level since early June. Um, so I think longer term, we're going to see those Treasury yields go back up. So if you're looking at uh, interest rates, when do I lock in interest rates, et cetera, you know, I'm not a forecaster on interest rates. This is just a personal opinion that I think are our, our um, increasing supply of debt certificates that are being offered onto the market um, as Congress continues to spend at a rapid pace are going to do more to bring Treasury yields back up out of the control of the Fed particularly at the longer end of the yield curve. The Fed only controls the very short end of the yield curve. Um, But for now, we're seeing that um, uh, purchasing of treasuries, 
pushing the price down on this announcement today. And of course, like you said, that's, that'll make for some interesting when we head to the overnight trade and then into uh, a full Thursday trade action. Yeah, exactly right. One of the keys at longer term is going to be how far can we break the dollar? Uh, as we speak, it's down um, about 860 points. Um, can we break it further? That's yet to be seen because um, that, that takes the euro being able to sustain higher levels. And I'm not sure Europe's economy is strong enough to be able to justify that. We'll be watching to see how the dollar performs when it gets to that November 29th low around 102.5 to see if that holds. Um, and, and that'll be one of the keys. Why do I say that? Because generally there's somewhat of an inverse relationship between the dollar and commodities. That when the dollar falls and the markets are no longer worried about recession, uh, then we start to see money flow back into the commodity sector. So since we're talking about uh, dollars and monies, let's talk about Argentina and, and what you're hearing when it comes to economic announcements. Well, Argentina's economy is an absolute mess, and uh, it's so frustrating when you when you have 200% inflation. Uh, the peso, which uh, I remember we used to think it was weak when it fell to 40 pesos to the dollar. I remember when it would be 15 pesos to the dollar. Well, now the black market rate is 1,100 pesos to the dollar. The official rate was 365 pesos to the dollar. So people said they wanted change. So they voted in a, an equivalent of a, a libertarian who promised to slash government spending and slash taxes on exports, which could make their agricultural production a powerhouse competitor of ours if he's successful at doing that. They pay for all their social programs with the taxes on those agricultural exports. So that's a real challenge. Voting for change is one thing. Actually getting it through the legislature is something different. Um, but he dramatically slashed the peso from 365 pesos to the dollar to 800 pesos to the dollar today. That means if you sold $13 soybeans, you got uh, 4,745 pesos yesterday. Selling $13 beans today would be 10,400 pesos. So some incentive to sell grains and are hoping that'll start increasing the revenues coming into the coffer. All right, well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to take a look at what's happening production wise, how things are growing along in Brazil. A lot of other factors we're going to take a look at as well. And then we'll jump over to the livestock side. Three days of up, it didn't go into a fourth day. More is coming up. The Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here's another Channel Chat where we discuss what's happening in the new Channel Seed brand across the Central Plains region. I'm Joe Gangwish. Matt McGuire is with us from Central Plains Solutions out of Wisner, Nebraska, and he talks about the merger of Fontenelle and Channel moving forward. Yeah, you know, like I said, we, you know, we're big on the crop consulting side and the agronomy side, and I think that going forward, the big reason that Fontenelle and Channel have merged is for the agronomy side of things and having more agronomy professionals you know we're going to be going from one on the legacy fontanelle side to i believe 12 and i think that will be a, a huge help to our customers that are looking for that uh, support on the back end when they're raising their crops 
If you want more information, contact Matt with Central Plain Solutions out of Wisner or any one of your new Channel Seed professionals across Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. For Channel Seed, I'm Joe Gangwish. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Arlen Sudeman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. We left off kind of talking about what was happening in Argentina. So let's go to the north and talk about Brazil. And Arlen, I'm sure just like here in the States, you've got some mixed numbers that are being heard about when it comes to this crop production because of the variety of weathers that they've been dealing with. Yeah, and you say variety of weather. It's about as extreme as you can get. When you look at the northern side of Brazil, which is, you know, their most productive area, not to take away from the south, but that's where the biggest concentration is, is uh, center west area, the biggest part of that being Mato Grosso. Mato Grosso, 1.3 times the size of Texas. You can stick about five states of Iowa inside of it. Um, when you look at that area, um, they're encountering one of the last 60 days have been in the top five driest of on record, which records going back to 1979. They don't have records going back near as far as what we do. If you look at the southern part of Brazil, uh, we're looking at Rio Grande do Sul in that area, and it's fairly productive in its own right. Um, we're looking at one of the wettest years on record going back to 1979, one of the top five wettest, depending on exactly where you're at. So really, truly extremes from one end of Brazil's uh, crop belt to the other. So how does that all add up? Well, as a former agronomist, I would say, oh, it sounds like a crop failure coming. But when you look at um, uh, what's coming out of Brazil in the way of a private estimate, and, and I guess before I say that, I should say, if you follow social media, you'll see plenty on social media to indicate crop problems as well. But when you look at the private estimates coming out of Brazil, and that includes our customer survey, surveying farmers each area of Brazil, what are your crops? What do you think your crops are going to yield? And how many acre, how much, how many hectares have you planted, et cetera? When you look at the private estimates, they're still calling for near record production. Uh, record production would be about 157 million metric tons. Our estimate on November 1st was 165 million metric tons, uh, up from last year's record 157. Uh, we dropped it down to 161.9 million metric tons in our December customer survey. Now, I talked to one of our brokers down there who's in the middle of this area and who is good agronomy background and works closely with customers in that area. Uh, I talked to him b- both yesterday and today, and I asked him, uh, I said, um, what's it like? He goes, oh, Arlen, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's really bad. And I said, I take it you disagree with our customer survey than saying it's a 161.9 million metric ton crop. And he goes, yeah, I, I really do. I hate to say that, but I disagree with our company survey. I said, okay, based on what you know, where would you put it today? Oh, probably 158 million metric tons. And and that's similar to other private estimates. We get a lot of complaints. We see the what the temperature and rainfall extremes are. We think it's got to be bad. We see the social media. We hear the complaints, but yet the private estimates 
aren't that low. And I figure off my balance sheet, it really doesn't give us a need to ration U.S. demand with higher prices unless we drop somewhere between 145 to 147 million metric tons in Brazil. And when I told him that, he goes, oh, it's not that small. Uh, so we're getting a lot of mixed messages from down there. And, and uh, it's going to all play out soon. Over the coming weeks, we're going to be uh, moving this through pod fill and into harvest. And we'll have some facts in front of us at that point. Well, let's jump over just because of time over to the livestock side. We had three days of higher cattle trade after what was a very torturous type of week last week. Day four, it couldn't hold and it finished negative as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's been kind of a tough sledding there. And I felt like some negativity spilled over from the grains. But uh, frankly, as we look at it, the expectation of the feeders is that we'll see steady money of 170, 171 in the Southern Plains this week. But I think the market's probably pricing in expectations that will be maybe a dollar less than that. Overall, we do seem to be getting some stability at this level. We'll see if this time it holds, but we simply could not sustain a rally above the top of above the trend line at the top of the channel that's been holding for the last couple of months. And and the bottom line is we're seeing decreased uh, values for the lower lower end cuts. And part of that, I think, is because we're seeing such a huge surge in in, uh, in imports because of the high prices, combined with the fact that exports have dropped off so much. Hogs, it's the other way around. We're seeing a drop off in imports, and we're seeing strength in imports. Plus, we're seeing some movement of the consumer down the value chain from beef to pork. So we're holding up pretty well, but we got to see how we do there after um, – January 1 when Prop 12 goes fully into effect. All right, lots of things to think about as we head into tomorrow's trade. What's the best way for folks to reach you? StoneX.com or over on X, formerly Twitter, ArlenFF101. And that is today's Channel Final Bell. It's being brought to you by the Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional right here on the Rural Radio Network.